Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. The Washington Report. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is drive time. Elliot Danka, Timothy Goen, Chua Tian with you. It's time now for our Washington Report headlines out of the United States. Uh, former U.S. President Donald Trump says he's skipping this week's first Republican presidential debate. Well, he said Americans already know him well, so there is no need for a public showdown with his rivals for the White House. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's using his new platform, uh, Truth Social. Uh, He noted the latest in a wave of results, uh, poll results, that is, showing him far ahead of the Republican field. This is by, let me see now, CBS News published this yesterday. And with Trump potentially out of that picture on the debate, what can we expect from that first debate in the race for 2024? presidential nomination for the Republican Party, at least, which is scheduled this week in Milwaukee. Let's find out now from Pushan Dutt, Professor of Economics at INSEAD. Good afternoon, Professor. Good afternoon. All right, Professor, before we get to the juicy part with Donald Trump, let's talk about the serious stuff first. The U.S. President Joe Biden's first standalone meeting with Japan and Korea that happened on Camp David. What is your assessment? So some people have said that this is historic, even the Americans have said this, but I think this summit was like a, like a step. It was revolutionary rather than revolutionary. So clearly it does not rise to the same level as the original Camp David under President Carter, which led to a reconciliation between Egypt and Israel. Now I was looking at this summit and what came out of it, there are two lenses to look at it. One is the China lens, that, and China did loom prominently in the background. So the trilateral alliance is about military and security cooperation aimed partly towards North Korea and the nuclear weapon threat and the security challenges of China. But I think the second lens, which in my view is also equally important, is that it has led to a reconciliation or at least the start of one between Korea and Japan. These are the U.S.'s two closest allies, but they've had a very difficult relationship going back to Japan's colonized Korea. So I think the thaw in the relationship between Japan and Korea, we have to see if it's sustained. I think that's a pretty big deal. So when we focus on that relationship, of course, uh, two ways, Japan and Korea is one. But once you turn it into the trilateral relationship, how long you think that's going to last? What's needed to make that foundation stronger? So I think there are a couple of things that they have to do. As I said, this is sort of the first step. And uh, it depends on the politics in all of these countries. So uh, the opposition party in South Korea is actually opposed to, you know, the the complete reconciliation with Japan. And keep in mind that the previous president, under the previous president, there was actually, you know, the you know trade wars between Korea and Japan, which is again about wartime reparations. So it depends on the political situation within South Korea. The other thing, uh, the other risk factor, which I think is significant, is Donald Trump comes back to power, then I think uh, this alliance will be immediately, you know, you know, put aside because Trump has this strange affinity for dictators and contempt for traditional allies. So even if they all persist, you know, it'll, it's going to take time. But the other thing is, I think it should not just be about uh, security. It should also be, there should also be an economic component. And there is some tension between these three partners on the economic front. Like I didn't hear anything about the Trump's Pacific Partnership, the revival of that, there is some tension with the Inflation Reduction Act because it discriminates against cars and vehicles not made in North America. So there are a bunch of things that they can do to actually strengthen this alliance, especially on the economic front. All right. Speaking of uh, Trump, Professor, let's talk about President Donald Trump, uh, specifically his absence in the upcoming Republican debate. What do you make of that? 
So, uh, in short, the debate, I think, is going to be a circus. Okay. <laughs> so, so I, we should all get our popcorn, just sit in front of the ta- television and watch it. Okay, so Trump will not be on the stage, but his presence will loom large over everything. He has an insurmountable lead over all the other candidates. I mm-hmm. think that it's very, very likely he'll be the Republican Party nominee. So, uh, one way to think about this is many of the candidates in the race, in the primary race, are less than 1% ahead of me in terms of support, and I'm not even running for president, okay? So uh, I would expect that in this race, most of the questions will be about him, what happened in the last election, his attempt to overthrow, overturn the election, his fitness for office, you know, the cases going against him. So at least a bunch of candidates, they are actually not positioning themselves for president. They're positioning themselves to be the vice president of, mm. of Trump in case he wins. This would be like Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley. So they will defend him to the hilt. The rest will sort of waffle and keep saying how terrible Joe Biden is. And I think there will be two candidates who will go after Trump, which is Chris Christie and Arthur Hutchinson. And Fox News, uh, I can predict, will pack the hall with Trump supporters. Mm. So it will be a circus. Just looking at the latest survey from CBS News, 62% for Donald Trump, 16% for DeSantis and the rest of them, as you mentioned, just, you know, single digits. So how important is it that they are, as you said, debating for the vice presidential role? Because this will probably be a, a, a coronation for Donald Trump. Yes, I think this what we will see is just a replay of 2015. It, it, was, it was exactly something like this happened. There were too many candidates. The candidates were attacking each other, but not Donald Trump. And they were ho- hoping that there would be some act of God by which he would actually go away. And in the meantime, Trump kept notching up victories, and then his candidacy became inevitable. So if you just look at what's happening today, you know, the candidates are running second and third, which is Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. They are spending more time fighting each other than Donald Trump. So Hmm. it is very difficult to win against a person if you don't actually debate the person or actually highlight the differences uh, about the person. So I find this amazing. Republicans seem to have learned absolutely nothing and they've just ceded their party to, to Donald Trump. Hoping he'll go away is exactly what's happening where his trial is concerned. Uh, Donald Trump's lawyer is seeking to push back his uh, federal election interference trial almost 18 months after the next presidential election and more than two years from the trial date that's been proposed by the U.S. government. Professor, what is the argument behind this request? So I think it's strategic in nature. So judges in the U.S., by their nature, what they do is they split the difference. So the prosecution asks for a date, the defendant asks for a date, and the judge picks a date in the middle. Okay, so now Jackson, the prosecutor, has proposed a date of January 2024 for the Jan 6th case. There are so many cases. By the way, there are like 91 felony counts against him in like four criminal cases, which is absolutely mind-boggling. So, so, so what the Trump uh, team has done is that by pushing it to 2026 in April, they're hoping that the hearing will start in 2025. That's how the judge will, uh, you know, will sort of split the split the difference because they do not want any of these cases either to be running or to be decided while the Republican primary or the U.S. presidential uh, race is actually going on. Because if Trump cannot campaign, if he's always in the court, and there will be a steady drip drip of bad news, which will actually be bad for his candidacy. 
or maybe good for his candidacy. Do you think this delay will be a logical move for the president's defense team or can they use this to capitalize this for uh, during the campaign and during his presidency? Keeping in mind, Americans love a comeback story. That is true. But there is one thing which Trump cannot do, which he can do on Twitter. He can say anything he wants on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he can make up stories. Uh, he can stretch the truth in, in, in glorious ways. Uh, but you cannot do that in the court of law. Okay. So as a result, and because even if the proceedings are not televised, they will be covered deeply. It will, uh, it will be a steady stream of bad news for him, which means he's going to lose the independence and moderate. Mm-hmm. And part of the Republicans will get demotivated and stay at home. So the best thing for him is that the cases are not being litigated, but they are sort of hanging because then he can say whatever he wants on Twitter, on Twitter or Truth Social or whatever he uses today. Uh, this allows him to, you know, to get the base riled up and uh, motivated without any of the bad news actually coming out. We forget a lot of these uh, in this day and age is sort of molded by what you see on social media. Not everyone does the research, huh, Professor? Yes, that is true. But uh, yeah, that's a small base. I think okay. there is about uh, one third of the Americans who will vote for Trump regardless of what he does. When he said, I can shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and get away with it, mm-hmm. he was actually right as, as far as about one third of the Americans go. Right. But it's the, it's the other two thirds. Uh, who we should be looking at. There is too much focus on the on the one third. There are there are one third never Trumpers who will never vote for Trump, and it's this middle one third that he will start losing if the court cases are are being forecast live, are being telecast live, or you know they they are being covered in the newspapers or on television. So it's going to be. You can actually see this when the January sixth committee uh, committee hearings were going on. Mm. Trump's ratings actually started coming down pretty significantly as soon as it faded from people's memories. His ratings went up again. All right, we've been speaking with Pushandit, who is professor of economics at NCR. Professor, appreciate your time today. Take care and have a great Monday evening. You too. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.